ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from Gadigal Land. This is ABC News Daily. The Matildas will take to the field again tonight in the Women's World Cup. Well, they'll be hoping for a second win. The team has won legions of fans and is boosting the profile of the Women's League across Australia. But it hasn't come easily. Today, ABC Sport football writer Samantha Lewis on how the Matildas have helped pave the way for diversity and inclusion in a sport tightly controlled by the governing body, FIFA. Dragged in two players in as well. Cooney Cross drinks the ball into the box, going to ground as a penalty. Penalty is your Australia. It's back. Catley takes the time, steps up, left foot strikes, sends the keeper the wrong way, and sends Australia into the lead. Sam, the Women's Football World Cup has gotten off to a roaring start. It's fun. We've won a match. It's been good. (laughs) Yeah, it's been amazing. I think not just the Matildas winning their opening game after all this hype and all this build-up over the last couple of years, but we've seen so many fans flock out to so many games not involving Australia at all. And that's one of the great things about this tournament is that each of the 32 nations is represented by a community that lives here. And it's it's great to see them all turning out for their national team. My legs were shaking. We were all going mental. We can't believe they won. We're so happy. It was amazing. It was so nice. It was amazing. <laughs> I'm just, I feel very proud as like an Irish woman because you just don't see this growing up as like a child. The Matildas, they're taking to the pitch again tonight, fingers crossed, but without Sam Kerr again. Yeah, the Sam Kirk half conundrum. The Matilda's captain sidelined once again with compression bandaging on her left calf. It's unfortunate that Sam tore a calf um, before the game. Matilda's officials quickly said it wasn't torn but refused to reveal the exact extent of her injury or a timeline for her return. The captain remains out for this second game against Nigeria, unfortunately, and the game against the Republic of Ireland in the opener showed that the Matildas haven't quite figured out what to do just yet, so tonight's Mm. game is going to be really interesting to see whether they've solved that problem. So there's a lot of Sams in this episode. (laughs) Let's push on, Sam. Okay, it's been a great start to the World Cup and it's a great competition, great to watch live, great to watch on TV. But when it comes to football, world football, there's always that element of contention, isn't there? Yeah, there is. I mean, the world is big. It's complicated. We live in a a very fractured place. There are lots of different perspectives and opinions on all sorts of issues. And Mm -hmm. football, as the most popular sport played in the world, obviously becomes a platform for a lot of those conversations and a lot of those arguments a lot of the time. So, yeah, this Women's World Cup, just like the Men's World Cup last year, has become a bit of a lightning rod for some of these things. Yeah, of course, there's been a lot of discussion in the lead up to this event about armbands again and what players can and can't wear on their arms while they're on the field. 
Yeah, that's right. You know, armbands have become a bit of a symbol for not just sort of the representation of certain communities, but also the power of athletes' voices and what Mm. they can or cannot express about the things that they care about. And uh, even though the armband, you know, traditionally is only worn by the captain to signal that they are the captain, Mm -hmm. uh, it's really become something much more powerful and and, uh, an opportunity to really talk about how athletes can or can't use their voice. Yeah, okay, this really came to the fore as well, didn't it? During the men's FIFA World Cup last year in Qatar, it was a big issue there. Yeah, it was. So there was a particular kind of armband that a number of the national teams wanted to wear, which was called the One Love armband. And that armband was meant to represent LGBTQIA plus people. Uh, and the, the, the players were wanting to use their platform in order to advocate for and to represent that community. Mm-hmm. But the big issue that happened was that FIFA basically said no. England's Harry Kane had wanted to wear a rainbow armband during his side's World Cup games in Qatar, where same-sex relations are illegal. But after FIFA threatened to issue a yellow card, he was advised by England's FA to shelve his plans. Originally, while they were all for inclusion and diversity and really encouraging when there were some male players across other sports who came out as gay or or as um, part of the community, they really clamped down on the the freedom for the players to wear this kind of armband and even potentially uh, would have punished them with points deductions or yellow cards for players if they wore that particular armband during the tournament. Yeah, because it was taking place, of course, in a really conservative country. And I remember there was that really strange press conference with the head of FIFA trying to justify FIFA's position over, over this armband issue. I have uh, very strong feelings. I can tell you that. Gianni Infantino, the president of FIFA, had this absolutely bizarre tirade where he said something along the lines uh, of, today I feel Qatari. Qatari. Today I feel Arab. Today I feel African. Today I feel uh, gay. It was absolutely extraordinary. And You know, there were some people who saw what he was trying to say, but at the same time, he really fumbled, I think, the message. He wasn't really able to justify the position at all. Yeah, right. Okay, so that's particular to Qatar, of course, as well, because that's, as we said, a very conservative country. But this World Cup, Sam, this Women's World Cup is being held here, here in New Zealand. Surely there shouldn't be concerns about players expressing support for whatever they want to, queer rights or anything else here in Australia in this democracy. You'd think so. And you would think that the context of women's football in particular would allow this Women's World Cup a little bit more freedom in terms of the ability of athletes to express themselves. Because a lot of the women playing football at this tournament do belong to the community, and so do a lot of their fans. In fact, women's football has been built largely by and for queer women. It's been a space that has developed as an area of safety, as a place of community and acceptance and diversity. You know, these are the pillars that the women's game stands upon. 
So when it came to this particular tournament, it seemed like the perfect opportunity for FIFA to reach out to that community and to say, you know what? Yes, like we can be this thing for you. We can help you to, to voice your community. We can help you to platform these issues because we're not just a neutral governing body. We can be a force for good as well. But unfortunately, that's not quite what's happened. And the Matildas, they wanted to use the World Cup as a platform. They wanted to wear the One Love armband. Yeah, so they wanted to wear the same One Love armband that the male players wanted to wear at the Qatar World Cup last year. But even that armband is a bit of a watered-down version of the rainbow armband, which a number of women's national team captains have worn in friendly tournaments and in other competitions outside of FIFA. However, Mm. when it came to the crunch, FIFA decided no, these women uh, players were not able to wear the rainbow or the One Love armband. Instead, they've been offered a variety of, of different options. So they have eight in total armbands that they can select from, all of which represent different issues. So one is inclusion, one is violence against women, one is education, one is standing up for Indigenous people. So there's lots of different topics to pick from, depending on which national team resonates with which particular issue, I suppose. But, you know, now that we've actually seen these armbands being worn for a couple of games now, they were almost pointless because all of Mm. them are white, none of them are visible, and they don't really represent anything because they're trying to represent everything. Yeah, right. So tell me, what is FIFA's justification then to say no to this one love armband? Why? Well, FIFA's official line is that they, as a neutral world governing body, they need to respect global differences. They need to, again, balance the fact that they have stakeholders in lots of different cultural contexts who approach this particular issue of the LGBTQIA plus community from their own perspectives. Mm. And FIFA doesn't want to be a political body as much as they say that they aren't. They obviously are, particularly Mm. when they take a neutral position on issues of human rights. So, Sam, it must be really hard on the players themselves, you'd imagine. What have they been saying about all of this? Yeah, it is really difficult for the players, particularly for the Matildas, who have been trailblazers in this space. Earlier this year, they became the first Australian sports team to wear rainbow numbers on their jerseys in an international fixture. With Sydney World Pride coming up, the option to wear the rainbow numbers on our jersey was put forward to us and the response from the team was really good. Everyone was really on board. So when you speak to these players and you ask them about the ways in which their identities and their expression of their themselves has been stifled by these rules from FIFA, they're incredibly frustrated. But a lot of them can't say that because this is a this is a tournament that they want to participate in. This is their livelihoods. This is their dreams. They don't want to do anything that could jeopardize that. Sam Kerr was a really good example. I asked her at the start of the month when the Matildas final 23 player squad was announced, how she responded to FIFA's offering of the uh, of the eight armbands. As someone who deeply believes in this kind of representation, how do you feel about FIFA's decision? And, and whether she would have liked to have worn the rainbow armband because she herself identifies as a queer woman? Yeah, well, I think firstly, we kind of expected it. The Men's World Cup, the Women's World Cup. Obviously, we would love to wear it. But I think you saw with the Men's World Cup, Harry Kane, for example, first game, if he had worn a yellow card, 
he got a yellow card in the game, he would have been sent off. So for me, it's not worth the risk of putting the team at risk, putting the tournament at risk. We have to abide by the rules that we're, we're given, really. So it's a really difficult position for the players to be in, and it's a really frustrating one from the outside because these players have carried this sport out of the darkness mm. and they have done it at such huge personal sacrifices. They've had to do so much with so little, and now this is the kind of reception that they get from their world governing body who's now leeching off their success. It's, it's really frustrating to watch. And what do you think? Should nations like Australia really accept these limitations set by big sporting bodies, sporting bodies like FIFA? The human in me says absolutely not. Mm -hmm. So moving forward, I think Football Australia, all the various governing bodies that are across the world, you need to really figure out who you are and what you want to be and how you want to impact the world because football and sport needs to stand for something, because if we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything. I'd personally love to see women's football stand up for itself and to really cement what it is and what it believes in and what it, it has always represented and being able to enter into this new phase of its existence, really sure that that is what its purpose is in the world and able to make strategic and structural decisions that center human rights and that center the community that has made it what it is. Sam Lewis is a digital sports journalist covering the Women's World Cup. Football Australia says ticket sales have exceeded a record 1.5 million, a new benchmark for any Women's World Cup event. This episode was produced by Flint Ducksfield, Veronica App App, Nell Whitehead and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. Thanks for listening.